This is the Punk Show Podcast. Hello? Rodney. Hey, Jason. Sorry about that. We didn't get into about 2 in the morning. Like, yeah, I had a feeling. I, yeah. I completely blanked on the fact that you guys were playing last night. Do you want to do it another time? No, 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 no. You can talk to me whenever you want. Okay, right on. I appreciate that. Cool. Uh, Eventually, I have to leave the house to go get some ant traps because we have an ant problem here. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a, that's an exciting life. I was explaining that to people last night. Like, so, like... You going to party or whatever? I'm like, no, I'm going, I'm going home, go to sleep. I get up in the morning and get ant traps. <laughs> it's, always, it's always like the, the life that I have versus the life that people think I have right. are two completely different things. I'm going to see what it's like out today. Oh, ooh, that's a good day to walk down to Home Depot. Oh, excellent. It's like a little bit of rain. It's, uh, yeah, not exactly the life of a glamorous rock star. No, 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 it isn't. It's just, I guess, you know. No, it, it's never that way. It never has been. Like I remember, we played like we would play like big shows and come back and you know like you sit around with your friends and watch TV. <laughs> it's just like the idea. What is sold to young people? Like also like the backstage area. It's pretty weird because like when you're young and you think like oh backstage that must be some sort of awesome party. And I think maybe three times in my entire life we've had like some sort of party backstage. <laughs> it's been like a party atmosphere. You know, it's kind of weird. Kind of sad, really. It's not Motley Crue. No, it's not Motley Crue. I don't even think Motley Crue is Motley Crue. Um, <laughs> if you read, um, oh God, Chris Conley's book uh, from the Revolving Cox. Okay. Uh, he talk, he talks about Al Jorgensen would come into the studio every day and talk about this Bacchanalian orgy that he took part in the night before. He's like, to tell you the truth, every night Al went to bed with a turkey sandwich and a copy of Jugs. And I thought, <laughs> That's, that sums up rock and roll perfectly. Makes me happy. Uh, how was the show last night? It was okay. I didn't like it as much as other people seem to. My my wife um, said it was really good. My friends, everybody there said it was really good. I don't know. It just never gelled for me. So it was it was kind of rough. But it was a benefit. So, right. I mean, you're there to raise money, and that's what we did. So cool. Hooray. What was it a benefit Black for? Were really good. What? Sorry. What was it a benefit but, for? A uh, friend of ours, um, a guy by the name of Kurt, has some medical issues. Okay. So, which I know, it's a, you're Canadian, and you're not going to understand that we have to raise money for these things. <laughs> but, like, in America, you could literally stub your toe and wind up going broke. Right. Because the medical coverage down here is crap. So, yeah, I know. I love explaining this to Canadians. They're like, well, why are you, are you, give, are you having a benefit so you can buy him a nice present when he gets out of the hospital? Like, no, this is to pay his bills because we don't have universal health care down here. It's yeah. sad. Yeah, that is sad. Um, yeah, I don't want to gloat, but it's pretty nice up here. Although you have to wait a long time for things here. That's the only thing. But I'll it's, wait. It's free. Long, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well, if you have offer the choice of wait, of, of, you know, waiting or going completely broke, I think I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> um. So I, ha- I know you've been doing some shows, and that's awesome. I want to, I want to talk about Seventh Victim as well, but I want to, if you don't mind, we're going to start with the Dead Milkman here, just because you guys played last okay. night and everything. Um, right. I haven't heard a lot from the camp, it seems, lately, and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe that's a good thing. Um, that, is there something, like, are you guys uh, got anything new on the horizon, music-wise? No, we haven't been doing squat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been meaning to get around to it. I would just, uh, I would just love some time off. But, um, you know, we started from sort of writing some stuff. Um, I haven't really, I haven't been motivated uh, right. so I've been like, I've been like, uh, and it's weird because normally I am. I have a bunch of ideas for stuff, and I, it was just weird because normally I write 
You've gone all weird oh, now. I can't hear you. You, you sound all. Oh, I'm sorry. No, sorry. My friend. Normally, I write on Sunday, so I would normally be writing today. My friend uh, Zood uh, from Angel Spit instilled this discipline in me of writing on Sunday, a thing he calls church, uh, where you actually no social media. You tell people don't bug me. I'm in church, and you use that day to write. Uh, but I, I just have not been able to really bring myself around to write milkman stuff. Fair enough. It's kind of. Kind of sad. Well, a couple of other guys have been writing stuff. I did write one or two things. I, I was uh, um, writing purposely vague, angry rants just so the album would be based. I think we do another next album. It's, you know, albums should have a theme, and they should be based in anger. Uh, this one should be based in anger. So that, I think that's going to be it. But I did turn in a couple of rants. They were basically rants on top of music, and I thought they would serve as a, as a guidepost for everyone. So I thought that was fun. Cathartic. I would yeah. say a lot of Dead Milkman stuff has been based in anger, but it, it, always with humor as well. Probably, mm. probably just about all of it. You know, the humor thing, I'm just so over it. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just like, I'm so completely broken that it's it's like, you know, people, friends of mine are like, hey, let's do this crazy thing. I'm like, no, let's not. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> so I've just been, that's been my whole mood <laughs> for the last, like, two or three years. Like, oh, let's just not. Yeah. <laughs> You, I wanted to take, like, I thought it would have been great to take a couple of years off or something. Sure. That, that would have been, you know, uh, which isn't kind of fair because there are people, you know, we, obviously people in you know, parts of the country haven't seen us. They want us. I don't know why they want to see us, but they write <laughs> and they say, we want to see you. So we're like, okay, we'll go there. So that's the, the next thing on our list, going there. We're going to Tucson. Tucson is definitely there. The, Tucson is there. It's there. It's, it's here for the people that live there. Tucson. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just, you, I just want to don't mean to interrupt you there, Rodney. But you yeah. sat, are you? Do you have me on speakerphone? No, I just I'm just talking into my phone. Oh, okay. It sounds it sounds muffly and weird, but maybe that's that's not. weird. That's that's Philadelphia. Philadelphia is <laughs> muffly and weird. Hang on, let me try and put you on speakerphone. Let's see if that helps. That okay? might help. Does this help? Oh, that sounds better. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that then. You'll hear my washing machine going. That's but okay. It has, an it has an industrial quality. It also might be my, well, no, my voice isn't that bad. Ever since I took smoking out of clubs, I don't really lose my voice. I can scream all night and not lose my voice, which is good. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, I got my hands on one of those uh, limited uh, Welcome to the End of the World EPs, by the way. Uh, I, know, I know it's a couple, oh, year, couple years no. ago now. Really good. Yeah, I'm happy with that one. Or it's about as happy as I can be anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I particularly like, I don't know why, because it's actually the instrumental, but that Battery Powered Rat song, I find myself going back and listening to that quite often. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I was, that, most of that, I, 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 because we all write, we, you know, I, I don't say, oh, that's my song, but yeah, that one, that, the genesis of that was with me. Nice. It was with a dream, dream I had where there was this weird, you could see through the eyes of this weird, like rat going through the Vatican and it ended, you know, cause we had sort of two popes there and it ended with Ratzinger and the new Pope sitting there. And he's just, you know, basically said what he said. He's like, you didn't even next communicate anybody today. And you can see the little battery powered rat. So I woke up and I thought I should probably turn that into something. Although oh, the, um, the demo sounded a lot different. It's a lot harsher, I think. Okay. It, I, uh, when you filter it through the other guys, they have like different musical interests. So it's like, Oh, it's kind of surfy now. Okay. <laughs> But I'm, I'm generally happy. I heard it the other day. It popped up because I forget what I had um, downloaded it for. So it popped up in my uh, randomly on my uh, music collection. I'm like, oh, hey, that's not so bad. I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> um, 
I, I want to go back to what you're saying about not being, you know, just not being particularly happy about the world or whatever in the last couple of years. I've, do you, I know you're quite active on Twitter and, and somewhat on, on Instagram and stuff. Do you worry that you go down the rabbit hole too much, Rodney? Because you seem like you're you're very invested in the the absolute negativity and craziness that's going on in your country right now. No, someone has today. Yeah. Um, what what I don't understand is I'll go to I'll go to a rally or a protest. Yeah. And there'll be no other musicians there. Yeah. You know, and I'm like I'm not the most famous musician by a long stretch in Philly. There's there are people who should be here, should be protesting. Should be, you know, if you don't point this out, it's not, you know, I don't care. People are free to unfollow me. You know, they're free to go find some happy pappy man that never talked. Well, I think we got to this point because people wouldn't talk about, you know, the bad stuff. So I'm just like, screw it, you know. I'm like, I, I, I am what I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you, you know, you can't live in this country and see what's going on, see how bad it is. And just, you know, and just sit there with your mouth shut. And a lot of people who do that, it might be better because they don't. I, I have a background in, in political science and stuff. That it might, I don't know, maybe it's better they don't comment. But um, mm-hmm. I think people should speak up. I think, you know, you if you see something wrong, that's a problem. Nobody speaks the hell up. You know, you, every window on my block should have a, you know, something in here about, you know, uh, never again. Or, you know, uh, you know, we have stuff in our window about, you know, we have, you know, uh, defending our Muslim neighbors and all that. Every house on the block should have that. Now, Philly has a lot of those up in windows, but I just, I don't understand. You know, I actually was at a, uh, a thing one time, and the guy, there was a guy talking about how he wanted to go to more protests, but he, he had some woodworking projects that he was trying to finish. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, at the end of Anne Frank's diary, she says, you know, I really understand the people who didn't help because they had a lot of woodworking projects to finish. Wow. So I was just, yeah, I that's probably why I am and. And, and, you know, I, I wish things were better because then I could stay home. I wouldn't have to go march. I wouldn't have to, you know, I wouldn't have to be up writing postcards and doing all that stuff. So what do you think it is now? Because, you know, by all accounts, we're in a very, very turbulent, weird time with Trump and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, and, and more so than really any, any time before. But, but we're not seeing that, uh, you know, upsurgence of protest like we did like in the 60s or whatever. Like, is it, do, you, do, you, do you think it's the everyone glued to the phones and the internet? Or, and people yeah, just been... it's everyone glued to their phones. It's also a state of shock. Nobody wants to believe it's as bad as it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And nobody wants to confront. These people are, a lot of these people are wacko crazy and will come after you. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm being absolutely serious about it. They'll, you know, mm-hmm. so nobody wants to show up. They fear for their jobs. They fear for, you know, I don't care. I get, you know, you can't fire somebody for going to a protest. But, I mean, you know, we've had horrible, horrible, you know, far-right groups come to our town to stage what were essentially, um, like, militia exercises. Right. Now, we showed up with about 1,500, about 2,000 of us to protest them, and maybe 15 of them showed up. So sometimes you get like that. You show up and you think, oh, my God, I'm going here. I'm really putting, you know, my body at risk. Yeah. Because these people could come at us, and then you show up, and there's like 15 of them, and they're sad. Um, I honestly, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't. The answer to that is, I don't know. I think it's, a, I think it's a state of shock. Yeah. I think it's, you know, again, a lot of people are doing, you know, Twitter activism, or you know, they, they can't get out or they don't get out. I think, you know, to really, you only need a certain percentage of your. Um, population out in the streets to change things so people say well maybe there should be more people that hey as long as there's one person 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm good. I never, I never look at the rallies and say, oh, there should be more. I never, you know, I, I just did shame somebody for not coming out. But I never really try and shame people for not coming out. I never say, well, where were you? Because I know when this is all set, when this is all wrapped up in the end and things are better, all these people will be saying they were at the rallies anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. Do you, I mean, you know, even just mentioning there, like 15 of the white supremacists hang and showing up to yeah. compare to a couple thousand of you. And, um, yeah. you know, that's encouraging, right? And I mean, I, I've, I've seen stuff like, no, I mean, it's, sorry? It's not encouraging because 15 white supremacists shouldn't have been showing up. Right. Because they feel emboldened. So something has made them feel that they can go out and say horrible, terrible, stupid shit mm-hmm. and that people will, will, you know, it'll be okay. You know? That's and true. Yeah. You have to learn it's, it's not okay. You know, you know, one guy standing on the corner screaming, it's all right. You know, that's, you, can, you can walk past that. Once they get to two or three, then you've got a problem there. And, and these guys are funded. That's the thing nobody talks about. These guys didn't, the money didn't disappear. You know, we have very wealthy um, individuals in the United States who lean to the far, far right. Families that are very sad that the Germans lost World War II, uh, Bob Mercer, for example. Mm. And that's where the funding for this stuff comes from. Unreal. Um, you know, there are signs that maybe there is more of that, though, do you think? Like, I mean, there was that uh, kid in Australia that smacked the egg on the politician, and then... <laughs> right? Egg boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, egg boy. Um, uh, yeah, but then again, he had to do it, and he had to do it after the shooting in New Zealand. Um, you know, these people, like I say, they're emboldened. They're... they're they're, they're ran by people. The far right has a tendency now to go on their websites and to fire up these, these jokers. You know, mm-hmm. these are sad, lonely people. Then they step back and they say, well, we weren't behind that. And that's the kind of scary thing. They've, they've kind of weaponized loneliness. And, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not good. And the press here in the United States has always tried to play a, well, both sides type of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, this side wants to give you, you know, this side wants to, wants to gas people, but this side wants to give you free health care. So I guess both are bad. You know, just, what? Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's just an absolute mess, but it's always been here. It's always part of America that has always existed. It's just now it feels it was allowed to bear its teeth. And that's the really scary part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, weaponized loneliness. I like, that's a really great line. That's a really good. Uh, probably, yeah, I should probably use that in the song. <laughs> you should. All right. Well, let, let's get on to more just other things because I mean we could talk about that all day yeah. long. I mean, and but you know what? For what it's worth, yeah, I will never shut up. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. But for what it's worth, tip I tip my hat to you for actually going out there and doing stuff and, and uh, you know and being part of these rallies and stuff because, like you said, that's the stuff that makes change. Uh, sitting behind a keyboard and ranting about stuff is great, but it doesn't really do anything. People need to get out there and, like you said, it will wrap up one of these days. One of these days, this is going to end and things will be a little sunnier. And you're right. People will look back and go, "Oh, that's what made the difference." Oh, you know, and thank you for thanking me for that. But again, you're thanking me for doing what I should be. It's like thanking me for brushing my teeth. You know <laughs> I mean, like, doing what you should be doing. But, yeah, but I do appreciate that. Thanks. No, fair enough. Um, so uh, I, I just uh, I interviewed Jeff Jeff Pincus of the Butthole Surfers uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago, and. Uh, yeah. They just put a book out, which I, I got the other day in the mail, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's like a coffee table book kind of thing. It's really cool. You're, there's a picture of you in there. Yeah, I was going to say, turn to page 100. I yeah. tell the filthiest story. Yeah. Oh, I had, see, I haven't actually read it yet. I didn't read the story. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, <laughs> it's absolutely filthy. Yeah, I, um, I was looking for that picture. There's a picture of me and Gibby, and I was looking for it. They, they asked me, and I have like a million butthole surfer stories, um, and every last one of them is just so damn bizarre. 
And they um, and I got the thing. He said, we're putting together a coffee table book. Can you give us a quote? And I said, I'll give you a quote. Plus, I've got a picture of me and Gibby from back in the day that I used to keep on the inside of my uh, CD for We Sold Our Soul for Rock and Roll by Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah. And so I, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so I went looking for it. My wife was like, oh, no, I moved that so you wouldn't lose it. And I'm like, well, where'd you move it to? She's like, I'm not quite sure. So I found it like on the day before they went to they were getting ready to go to, to press oh wow so they managed to, yeah so i totally lucked out on that i was like please tell me you haven't gone to press yet i've got this picture of me and gibby so yeah that was the uh, the picture he's wearing an anderson wakeman bruford and Howe shirt uh we were working on the song anderson walkman buttholes and how and we thought it'd be fun to have gibby come in and do almost like a jesus built my hot rod thing mm-hmm. and so uh we got him on the phone <laughs> And it was like something out of a cartoon. We heard like the phone drop and then like squealing tires. It took him like two minutes. He was like in the parking lot. He comes running in and he's got that shirt on. He goes, I was wearing this shirt when you called. Wow. Like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> did you, you guys yeah. did some shows with them back in the day too, right? Yeah, I did a bunch of shows with them. I saw them, I saw them actually open once in New Jersey. I saw them open for the replacements when there were maybe six people in the club. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic show. And John Stewart, the guy from used to be on the Daily Show, he yeah. was our uh, bartender. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's serious, here. really? Wow. Yeah, he used to bartend there, and I just remember like that show. This guy's like, "Hey, that guy back here, he also does comedy. He's pretty funny." I'm like, "Oh, that's nice." And then like, yeah, <laughs> like years later on TV. That's amazing. Um, yeah, well, that's the whole proximity to the milkman thing. People around us tend to get like lucky and famous and stuff. It just never really happens to us. <laughs> <laughs> um. I won't. I won't stay on the buttholes train, so to speak, for too long. But uh, you know, just speaking of Motley Crue and how they're probably exaggerated, I, I always get the impression that butthole surfers, the stories about them, aren't even as bad as it actually was. Um. Oh my God! It's just your your head would explode. Yeah. I mean, I have I have seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the the oh look, there's a perfect drawing of a pencil in that toilet. You should go look. Don't go look. Don't no no. Um. And the weird thing is, they're, they're not. It's not like they're with Motley Crue. None of, nobody in Motley Crue was was you know going home and splitting atoms you know, <laughs> their time. But um, but the Buttholes they were all very super intelligent. Right. They were like you know Gibby had like a degree in accounting and they they were super smart, super fun to talk to. Um, all the shows were incredible. I never saw a show that I, I wasn't completely blown away by. But then they would do strange things like they would have a tour bus driver, but they never tell him where they were going. <laughs> they would get, they get on, they get on the bus after show. Just drive. So you pick a direction and drive, and then they later on, like you know, maybe an hour or two later, uh, Gibby come up the front, or one of them would come up to the front, and they would say, "Oh, wait, we're going to this town here." So then, they, like, so a lot of times there'd be a course correction. I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's oh, awesome. Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do find myself getting more and more into Seventh Victim. I'm not normally. Oh, not you. Well, yeah, I just you know. Just full disclosure. That's what I've been working on lately. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like that that's taking up your time. I, I'm I'm not normally drawn to like the the, the electronic stuff, like industrial or whatever. I don't even know what genre you would put it in, but I I do find it's it's very very cool. And so I want to talk about the record that you guys put out because it wasn't that long ago. I guess back in sort of Octoberish. We were aiming for Halloween. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Trying to hit Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> You do a cover of Jamie's Crying by uh, Van Halen. Yeah, well, that's because the record only exists because I had uh, my friend Stephen Archer, who is in Stoneburner. He's in Ego Likeness. He had said, 
he was just pointing out that everybody else in my band and, and for my pretty much my whole life, everybody else has always had a, a, a thing, a solo thing, and I never have. So he was like, you should get a thing because we can hang out. You can do this. He kept calling it a thing. I'm like, okay, Stephen, I'll get a thing. I was like backstage hanging out with some people. I think this might have been in a, this might have been Velvet Asset Christ show we are hanging out at. But we, uh, um, at the truck, and then Steve comes back like a minute later. Okay, you're opening for me in like two weeks or whatever. So I had to build a whole system. So I, I was building this system, and I was just building it just for the heck of that, you know, if there were times we couldn't play or whatever, I would just have this automated, because I, I really like, uh, um, you know, since obviously, and mm-hmm. my wife likes the set. She liked the sound of one of the ones I got, and she's like, that that actually sounds like you, and it's a whole, it's a nerdy FM synthesis thing I can go into. But, so I built this whole system, and then, um, you know, bit by bit, and, and you know, it's, it's I tried to use the cheapest stuff I could get my hands on, because I love that sort of sound. Uh, so what happened was, like, I got that all done, and I started, well, I should record some stuff. So I started recording stuff and just randomly grabbing things. And, and, and I kept getting, I did a gig opening here and there for different bands here in Philly. So that was fun. And, but because of that, I had to keep making stuff. And then the reason Jamie's crying exists is because a friend of ours here does these cover nights that are just uh, bastardizations of the band. Right. They're just, everybody just puts the band through the ringer. We had a guy for the night that we were doing the Van Halen song. There was a guy who played Van Halen songs on shoes that were hooked up to like MIDI transmitters. So he would, he would bang on the shoes and like turn this wheel. It was the greatest ever song, like a, like a, a like a, the wheel in a car, like a driving wheel, yeah. steering wheel. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> they would turn one of those to like change the pitch and bang on these shoes. I'm like, this is great. I forget what song he did, but I'm sure he greatly improved upon the Van Halen. <laughs> but what happened was I um I had this song. I didn't know. I got stuck. I wanted, um, oh God, why can't this be love? Because it's the worst lyrics in the world are in that song. That is, uh, yeah, that's, actually, Hagar, that's Hagar, Van Halen. That's Hagar. Yeah. And Hagar says, only time will tell if we will stand the test of time. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted that. I wanted that so badly. But apparently it's such a running joke in Philly that every other band was fighting for it. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm like, well, what have you got? And they said, we only got one left we still want to do this it's called you know jamie's crying nobody's taking that and i'm like okay i'll take that so i was like i I never really listened to it and i listened to it it was pretty bad and i thought well what can i do with this and i thought sitting around i thought let's put an invocation let's see if we can find like a witch so i went out online and i found there's a uh, young lady named orly stewart who's super nice i found out later on i just what i did was i I just sampled her doing an invocation uh, from the Book of the Dead, only she replaces he with she. So it's kind of an invocation of Lilith. And I used that, and I thought, well, it's not going to work if I sing over top of this. So then I put this um, uh, basically a little social media thing. said, hey, are you weird? Are you kind of witchy? Can you sing in this key? Do you live near, in, in or near Philly? And fortunately, somebody uh, tagged Janet on it, uh, Janet, who's the singer in the band. Mm-hmm. And, and she's amazing. She's a hard worker. She's just incredible. And so she came and just nailed it. So we went out and did that there. And I said, hey, would you like to? I've got all these songs laying around that I've been singing on. How about if I strip my vocals off of them and we, we throw yours on? So I already had everything that was kind of laying around. So it's kind of a hodgepodge record. So now the stuff we're doing now, I'm making, you know, with the idea of having Janet sing it. And hopefully I'll get a couple songs out of the way and then I'll go back and I'll write some Milkman stuff. I just need to, yeah. that kind of stuff right now I need to get out of my system. Fair enough. Um and I love the uh, the story that you've got, like all around Seventh Victim of how you've been around for forty years and 
Oh, yeah, Sto- yeah, it was Stocksbridge. Yeah, Stocksbridge, Stocksbridge yeah. I'm not, I'm not making this up. You've got to look up Stocksbridge. Stocksbridge, we have a, uh, in a way, it's almost like the Lovecraft Cthulhu mythos with Stocksbridge. Um, Stocksbridge Polytech is kind of our Miskatonic. But the reason I came across Stocksbridge is these people pulled the coolest goddamn Scooby-Doo scam of all time. Uh, they put a bypass in. Uh, actually, if you if you Google Stocksbridge, but the sad part is the bypass actually has turned out uh, to be uh, like the, the worst road in England. Most accidents take place there. Okay. This has given it an even darker reputation. But before that, and I, I don't know how many other people have figured out what they did. Before that, they're basically they're working on the bypass, they're putting it in, and there were two workmen that were up there. And they saw, according to them, a group of children in medieval garb dancing around this, you know, one of those uh, pylons, the things they used to transmit electricity mm-hmm. and so they and then they said they saw this monk now this would normally you'd laugh it off but they 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 went to the police station and the cops were like yeah well why don't you go let's go see see the the vicar so the next day the phone rings and it's the vicar he's like look i got these two guys in my church and they won't leave so they were like so they actually had seen something all right now here's the thing so they send these two cops out and the two cops, they're sitting there all night. And they, eventually they see a piece of plastic on the bridge where the, the guy said he saw the monk. So he, uh, um, so the cop goes up. They get it down. They're laughing. And the one cop looks out his window, and there's the monk. Mm. So, now they got, so now it's getting, now it's taking on life of their own. What I believe happened was that the bypass was going to take business away from Stocksbridge. So they basically decided, let's just create ghosts so people won't use it. <laughs> And then, and then, so it has to be. That has to be the logical answer. And it's kind of taken a life of its own. So it, I just stumbled upon it, and I went and looked at this little town that looks like the town I grew up in. And I said, oh, yeah, Stocksbridge, let's be that. Because originally it was all minimal synth stuff that I was doing. It sounds a lot different now. But it sounded, some of it sounded like something that would come out of, like, you know, the north of England in the, the late 70s. So it's just, you, you need a backstory. <laughs> that, that is great. That is that is very Scooby Doo, isn't it? If you look look it up sometime, look up the it's the A six sixteen Stocksbridge. It is the most weird ass backstory of. I was just like, whoa! I stumbled upon it like on YouTube somehow. I was just like, I have a weird YouTube feed where I have it randomized, and it pulls up all sorts of diff, different, uh, you know, really different stuff. So I think I never know what I'm going to get. I, I think. Really, a lot of my love uh, for you and for you know the Dead Milkman and all the stuff that you do is 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 these bizarre little snippets of stories and history and pop culture and stuff that you grab onto and then write songs about and and you know what I mean and or stories about like so that's that's oh great. I do that with Joe all the time Joe was Joe was having um, when we were making um, oh um, when we were making Pretty People Joe had hit writer's block he's like oh I haven't been able to write anything lately I'm like. Hey, Joe, did you know a guy once patented a process for bronzing bodies? And he's like, what? And I guess you give him a little bit of information, and he runs with it. So he wrote yeah, the whole, that whole song about uh, bronzing bodies, you know. <laughs> well, and then, yeah. <laughs> is that, sorry, what song is that? Um, what is it called? It's, uh, oh, God, I can't remember the name of it now. Not, that's uh, not the same one. That's not the one about the, the, uh, the awning that, uh, the, so the, no, sun, no, no, the that, sun turns no, your patio <laughs> No, that that happened because I was uh, um, I, I, that that ad used to run all the time on late night TV for here in the states for the sundowner awning. Yeah, we had enough here up actually up, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I woke up in the middle of the night and it was on, and, and it used to be like an infomercial, it was like an hour long. I'm like, 
huh, what? And I just went down to, I just walked from the bedroom down to my home studio and just sat down with boom, boom, boom. I think I kind of forgot about it and just was like recorded it pretty much right there and then went back to bed. And my wife has always been angry with me about it because she loves all the music to it, but she hates the lyrics. Oh, really? She's like, why? She's like, why did you take that really cool riff and everything and put the sundowner awning? I'm like, it was on when I woke up. So that is, it is, it is the saddest ad ever. It's like you feel that family's pain. They're like, we'd love to have cookouts, but our backyard is just too hot out here. And, like, and I kind of agree with that because when I was when I was young, my dad was always trying to get us to eat outside in the summer, and I, I never understood that because you know you work really hard to have a house and go inside. You know. Oh man. Yeah, sundowner was yeah. Sun, sundowner. I, I, every now and then, if I see something for them, I get really happy. It's like happy and depressed is the most simultaneously cheerful and depressing thing in the world. Um, I love that photo of you in the graveyard uh, that goes along with the stuff that you've been doing as well. That's not the the oh. night. That's not the night of the living dead graveyard, is it? No, 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 no. That's uh, we have a wonderful. We play there actually. Uh, we 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 did go visit the Night of the Living. Milkman got to visit the Night of the Living Dead right. graveyard. But um, no, we uh, here in Philadelphia, there's a, a cemetery that we we play occasionally. Um, it's huge. It's called Laurel Hill. Uh, but at the um, during the Victor- uh, Victorian era, uh, in, in at least in the state, well, in England too, um, they, cemeteries became like public parks, and it's beautiful. And it goes on. My wife and I go there to relax all the time. So we had a nice day, and I said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take um, one of my synths along, new synths, and I'm just going to design some sounds while I'm in the cemetery. So I was all set up, and, you know, she was just hanging out. And, and then by the time I got done everything, she was like, oh, it's, you know, we should split now. I'm like, no, not going to enjoy the cemetery. <laughs> I love that cemetery. I could spend, all, I could spend like, seriously, days. and If they let me stay there from, like, sunup, you know, till sunup the next day, I would do it. That's a little creepy. No, it's not. It's a beautiful cemetery. I've been in there super late at night because we play there. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, first of all, we played there because I didn't think they would let us the first time. And I contacted. And fortunately for me, there's a young lady named Emma uh, who's left her position there. They've got somebody else in there, but she was the first one to bring like movies and stuff there because we can go up there and watch movies. They let me show a movie there. They let me show uh, children shouldn't play with dead things. And <laughs> it's awesome. It's it's just I you know I I I would visit all the time. So I went. And I said, you know, I, I wrote them and I said, hi, you probably never heard of us, but we'd really like to know, is it possible to play your cemetery? Because we'd heard they were having stuff there. And they wrote back and said, yes. And I went and I realized that where we were playing is pretty much like this natural amphitheater. So it's one of my favorite. Dean was excited that we were, our dressing room was the receiving vault, you know, where they put bodies until the ground is stalled enough for them to bury them. Oh, my God. He was really, he was really thrilled with that. Um, yeah, I, I really, it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite places on earth. Wow. Uh, I, I didn't want to, I just wanted to be cremated and have, originally have my ashes scattered. But Vienna and I are actually thinking about um, having ourselves, our ashes interned there. And the thing is, I'm on their audio tour. So I narrate it. Are you serious? So, uh, yeah, I narrate one of their audio, they have an audio tour and you have different things. And one's the pop culture tour and I narrate that. And I'm hoping that after, that some sort of app will be around that after I die, like right before I, I want to record a thing, goes, and, you know, so when, you know, and here I am, and, you know, it would be like right outside of where <laughs> my actions are turned. I thought that would be great. I'd be like the only one, yeah, here's me, you know. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I do the audio tour. I talk about, uh, you know, basically cenotaphs, which are, we have 
uh, Rocky from you know Rocky Balboa, his his wife and uh, and also Paulie from the films are sort of buried there. They have two uh, gravestones that they use for the movie, mm. but there's but the rumor is that he actually went and bought coffins and had the coffins buried. Oh wow! <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Which is which seems an odd expense, but Stallone's a strange guy. I got to visit Philadelphia one of these days. I've, I've, I've... It, it, you, we'll, we'll take you up to the cemetery. I mean, uh, we we recommend that when, when people come to visit, we always recommend. Look, we'll take you up to Laurel Hill, and we'll show you because we we've been there so often and everything. I actually do. I see people there looking at something. I will come up and give them like a little tour. I'll say, well, this you know, this is a um, there's a um, oh, uh, basically a, a grave marker there that looks like it's made from stone. But it's actually hollow. It's this metal type thing. So I'll show people you can wrap on this. Mm. It's called white zinc, uh, and it's actually happened to be uh, one of the Fox sisters who started in America the whole spiritualist movement. They could crack their their toes. And, uh, <laughs> that was it. So they, they would crack their toes, and they say we're communicating with Mister Splitfoot, and people bought it. And it went on for years before somebody finally found out. Wow. But they had they had a weird life. But yeah, every, a lot of people associated with them are buried near there. It's weird. Yeah, weird place. But- a couple more things, and I'll let you get on with your day here, Rodney. Have you got another minute or two? Yeah, okay. I got to do some ant traps. Oh, ant traps, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. You mentioned earlier uh, in our chat the truck. So the Trocadero, is that, I heard it's closing down, or has it already closed down? It's closing down. The yeah. last Dracula's Ball will be there uh, on May 18th, I believe. So I'll be there for Dracula's Ball. Yeah, I'm so This is like, my, my other than the cemetery, my favorite place to play in Philly is always the truck. Right. Uh, just a beautiful, just, you know, it goes back to the burlesque days. There's a tunnel in it, a secret tunnel that goes out into a, um, I probably shouldn't, well, they're going to, they're going to close it. So nobody, nobody's going to care if I talk <laughs> about the tunnel. There's a, uh, a closed down underground, uh, subway stop here in Philly, in Chinatown. They never really, they never really use much. Although the cops have to send somebody down there once a month, some poor cop draws the short straw and they send him down there to make sure nobody's living down there. But the, uh, there's a tunnel from the Prohibition days that connects the truck to that. That's really cool. My, yeah. uh, I've never actually seen the tunnel. I just know about it. So before they close it, I'm hoping they'll let me see the tunnel. Right. Victoria, my hometown here, has got like m- miles of tunnels underneath it. There's all this whole old town that connects Chinatown to the, the harbor and all that. It's, it's, and there are little entrances still that can be found, but I've never been down there myself either. It's supposed to be pretty Victoria cool. Victoria's a beautiful city. My wife and I, when she was uh, um, engaged, we were engaged, or, um, so that's many years ago. Mm-hmm. She actually came out to Canada with me, came to Victoria, and was super impressed. I love that city. That's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I can believe you guys would have tunnels. Um, the uh, um, What's his face? Um, Portland has all these tunnels that they used to use for Shanghaiing people. Portland has a nasty tunnel history. Oh, is that right? Tunnel history is probably much more pleasant, yeah. <laughs> it might be. Well, there was opium dens and stuff down there, too. There was, yeah. there was nefarious oh, yeah, like things going on. Yeah, yeah, same with Portland, yeah. yeah. And Seattle has the whole underground Seattle thing. But when it burned down, they just spilled over top of it. Well, I mean, I personally, I mean, I don't know logistically if it would ever be able to happen, but I would love to get the dead milkmen back up to Victoria sometime. I would love that too. Well, we were up. We played um, Vancouver a couple of years ago. Yes, I was there. Lee a. Yeah. yeah, Lee A. Who are absolutely fan. There's so many great Vancouver bands. Uh, there's the band Actors that I freaking love. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, just, there's all this great stuff. Um, Six Alley, I think, are technically Vancouver uh, because uh, um, uh, Brittany also plays in. Uh, um, um, she plays in Lee A. Right. So, yeah, I just, I just, there's so much great music up there. I wish you get back 
get back that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe we can try to make that happen at some point. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, my last question for you, and I'm going to bring it up, and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to end on a, on a, on a, on a, on a fight here because uh, I've talked oh. to you about this before. I want to know, because I'm a, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a vinyl collector, Rodney. Yeah. No, you know, I'm proud. I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of it. I don't care. No, because people keep buying the, the vinyl albums that have sold the most in the last couple of years have all been reissues. They've all been reissues of like the Beatles, the Stones. Like the people who are selling the most are like Prince and Amy Winehouse. The people who are dead. <laughs> yes. that's something that bothers me. People always say, "Well, I can understand." Now, here's the thing: if you compare vinyl to a um, uh, like a like a like a fine bottle of wine or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're going to sit down, you're going to open it, you're going to enjoy it. I can kind of understand that. But my thing is, people keep telling me, well, it sounds better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. The bass had to be all done in mono so the needle won't jump out of the track. Um, I, I, just, I think to me, my problem with vinyl is I never trusted record companies. And what happened was record companies just want to sell you. They've got this back catalog, and that's mm-hmm. what they're interested in selling. And and they keep looking for new ways to sell that back catalog. Yeah, it's easier than like, making oh, new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and they basically did hire, you know, focus groups or whatever, people research groups to find out that oh, if you you could you could just put it on an old medium and try to bring that back and you know, what one people talk about, you know, when you started seeing the hipsters with vinyl and stuff was the fact that a lot of those people were not organically listening. In other words, these guys were like models who were, you know, the, the famous picture of the hipster sitting in the coffee store with the portable record player. Yeah. That guy, that wasn't, that guy was an actual, that was a model. Like, you know, a model agency. Like, oh, you call them up and you say, I need somebody who looks like a hipster or whatever. And they would, they would do that. That's part of my suspicion. I like to, I like to download stuff. I, you know, I have a radio show. I listen to, I, I probably download 30 or $40 a month, maybe more worth of stuff. Um, you know, I, I prefer the, the whole digital download thing because it gives me a wider thing of music. But people I know who are who are in the vinyl, they're always a lot of them were talking about like, oh well, I'm really into music, I'm, and I'll say, well, how about this new band? How about this? Well, I don't really do that. Well, well, you know, where are you spending your money? Well, I'm spending my money on reissues. Yeah, and I'm like, it just it just seems like so wrong. And a lot of you know, like young or new bands, they can't afford to do vinyl. There's a waiting at the pressing plant, and there's a waiting at the pressing plant because we're pressing. Amy Winehouse's album, and she doesn't need the money. She might have needed it at some point. Could probably could have helped her. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she was a she was an awesome person to hang out with. Sure. Um, but yeah. You know, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Uh, I had a um, feeling this was going to be your reaction. Well, no, it, it is, but it, it's. I was I hoping know, you. I was I, hoping you'd softened on it a little bit, but I was. I don't. No, I haven't because it's, it's just gotten to the point where. Where, like, I'll say to someone, I'll say, well, you know, someone will tell me for a half hour how they're really into music. I'll say, oh, oh, I just got this reissue. I'm like, you could have bought for, like, the, the and, they're, and they're expensive. So a lot of these are, like, 30 bucks. Sure. 30 bucks, that's, like, 30 downloads from, from like, you know, new artists. Not, it doesn't have to be new artists. It be somebody that's been around for a while. But you're getting something new. I, I just can't see, for me, I, I see it as, um, you know, it's, it's the difference of the Marshall McLuhan thing between a cold medium and a hot medium. For me, music is sort of a hot medium. I, I consume it right away. It's an active thing. I, you know, I, I talk about it. I shoot the things around. You know, uh, and with vinyl, I mean, with digital downloads, put them on my phone. I'll walk, when I walk down to buy my ant traps, I have to listen to some Adam Ant when I do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I perfect. Love Adam, yeah, I love Adam Ant, by the way. Adam Ant rules. 
Uh, I will defend Adam Ant forever, even the awful film that he's in with Michael Paré. But the, um, if you ever get a chance, there's a film with Michael Paré uh, who played, I think it's from Eddie and the Cruisers. Okay, yeah. Uh, but it's him, it's him and Adam Ant. And Michael, not the best actor. <laughs> so they're having Adam Ant come and like, save his line. So Adam Ant comes in. I'm not joking. This guy's like this photographer or whatever. Adam Ant goes, Oh, where have you been, mate? Oh, that's right. You've been in Southeast Asia. Take you and does the line that Michael Perret could normally do. Plus, Adam Ant used to date Amanda Donahue, which makes anybody instantly cool in my book. Sure, yeah. Some guy was pulled a knife on Adam Ant, and Amanda Donahue disarmed the guy and beat him up in front of like everybody. So yeah, um, but yeah, the the vinyl thing, I just I don't get it. Um, I, I, I don't. I hate to be you know, say. I normally I'm not critical of something, but my problem is, I, and I've been trying to explain to people, you vote with your dollar. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's really the only real vote you get. So people say, well, why are you harsh on you know different types of music or you know different types of radio stations and stuff? I'm like, when you vote for you know vinyl, you're voting for reissues. You're voting for you know you're not. You know, for me, if everything was fair, that'd be fantastic. If the bands that I love, that I, that I, champ, I champion a lot of underdog bands mm. because they're good, not because, you know, they're, they're underdog bands. But, you know, I, I'd like to see them get a fair shot. You know, I, I would love a world where, you know, um, okay, well, that's great that you're listening to Beyonce, but you're also uh, listening to, like, Three Keith, or you're also uh, listening to, uh, um, oh, I'm oh, just blanked on, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you're going to name, like, a thousand great bands. Like Youth Code, you know, something mm. like really radical, hard stuff. I would love a world where all that was equal, but it isn't. So I have to, uh, you know, and it's gotten worse because of poptimism, which is basically a philosophy amongst music writers. It says, oh, well, for years we've championed these underground bands. Now let's champion the people who are selling millions of copies. And I'm like, oh, no, no. So it's just a lot. It's easier for, like, if you see Slate, like Slate, um, the website, the, the political writing is fantastic. Yeah. Dahlia uh, Lithwick's writing about the Supreme Court, absolutely amazing. But you get to the and the, and the the movie reviews are great. But you get to the music reviews and it's all this optimist stuff. And it's like, isn't it terrific that you know Beyonce is doing this? Or and I'm like, I'm not really that interested. Why don't you tell me about a band instead of championing the, the you know the kids who've already won the race? Why don't you you know go out and find some more interesting underground? That's what John Peel did. I mean, John you know John Peel didn't play just the the popular stuff. John Peel went out. He loved music. He listened to everything that came in. He said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot and that a shot. There's a lot of music we wouldn't have if it wasn't for John Peel. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, that, that, you know, that all makes perfect sense. Uh, but, oh, no. You better, you better seek medical help. <laughs> if, I start making sense, if I start making sense, it's time to yeah, rethink everything. Uh, but I would still like to see King in Yellow at least get released on vinyl. But that's just me. Nah. I know. No, I like the idea of letting it. Well, first of all, um, I'm a big KLF fan, and KLF went back and they they destroyed their entire back catalog. That's why it's so hard to find KLF stuff. Oh, really? And they basically said they didn't want people dwelling on the past. I always liked that idea. Yeah, I always thought it'd be great. Like I think I think like every like ten years or something, they should just delete an artist's entire back catalog. <laughs> so then that would make them have to be fresh. There's a lot of people, like Bob Dylan, he's been riding on his stuff from like the 60s for years. Hasn't done anything interesting. If you deleted his back catalog, he'd have to do something <laughs> interesting. Just uh, that. Yeah. Sorry? 
I'm drinking coffee here. Drinking coffee. All right. Well, we're gonna, well, I'll wrap this up here, uh, Rodney, because oh, you okay. got you got to go get an ant trap and take care of your ants. Um, ant traps. I got you a lot of ant traps. I feel bad about this. I know a lot of people are going to be angry with me. It's going to be a lot of vegans upset with me. But, uh, <laughs> well. And my parents are Buddhists, so let's not let's not talk about the ant traps to them. Okay. Um, I'll make sure they don't hear this. Fly. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. My parents, yeah, if, this, if this airs, if my, I can let me know when it airs because I'll tell my folks, go go listen to something else. <laughs> go, um, go distract them during that hour, yeah. Yeah. Um, Technically, this would be a n a u n t traps. So they'd be like, one of your ants could have come back. It's one of those ants. <laughs> Lovely. Hey, Rodney, always a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate oh, it, man. Always, always enjoy it. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too, man. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Punk Show Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, including kick-ass punk music, go to thezone.fm slash punk. Oh, yeah. And be sure to check out the Punk Show on Facebook and Instagram.